Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 37, the Eric Desjardins episode of Orange and Back Check, brought to you by our presenting sponsor, the DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code BACKCHECK when signing up, and you'll get up to a $1,000 sign-up bonus. Sitting across from me, a guy who is an Excellent acquisition for the podcast, Orange and Backcheck, Scott Weinhart. How's it going, brother? Listen, I only have one thing to say since hockey is back and the Flyers are back. Hallelujah! <laughs> Hallelujah! We made it! It's real! The gods from hockey have spoken! That's right. That's right. <laughs> like uh, it's it's always it's always fun when you get to watch a Flyers Penguins matchup, even when it's not meaning anything. When it like we watched a couple days ago for the their only warm up game, but once that and that's always fun. But you know it doesn't mean anything once these games become to matter, and you're also your first matchup is against the best team in the NHL for the 2019-2020 season, and you blow them out of the water. Something special about that, like just. Every a lot of questions were answered. There's still some questions on how this team is going to flow, but my god. Like overall, what were your thoughts for after 60 minutes of play, a 4-1 victory over the Boston Bruins? What were you thinking? Where are you instant where's your reaction? Head at? This is our really first our first instant reaction. We're yep. we're excited. I have three words, Bill, that you're absolutely going to love. I can't wait. Pump the brakes. <laughs> See, I'm not pumping my brakes. I, I like this is one of those one. It's also because they are the of the four major sports. Uh, like they're the clearly the best team in Philadelphia. They're, they're the union are the like as much as we make fun of soccer on this podcast. The, the union are they right there up there with them. Just the fact that the Flyers me, that are a meaningful overall meaningful team in this city and they had a meaningful win today and their goalie looked as strong as he did in Carter Hart. I, I, I'm not going to pump the brakes. I have full expectations that they're going to get the one seed now. Well, okay. So let's take a step back and here's why. And this is very important for people to understand this because this is why we fall into this trap in Philadelphia in the first place, because we see one or two games and have the world's expectations that we're going to yep. win the Stanley cup and do all these great things. Guess what really comes down to this. It's been one game. Let's be honest. It's it, the exhibition game aside. It was an exhibition game. The important thing is 
It's been one game. And let's take something into consideration. The Flyers were technically the road team today, so they got last change. They basically beat Boston in Boston today. But when you look at it as a whole, Boston is not as strong as they were when they hit the break. This is not the same Boston team that beat the Flyers 2-0 back in March. And here's why. First of all, you, they don't have their biggest piece on their roster. They don't have Tuka Rask. He did not play today. He's, he's considered unfit to play. Apparently, it's minor. He'll be good to go in a couple days. That's that's not the, They're not going to see Yaroslav Halak if they go deep in the playoffs and face this team. Not only that, David Pasternak only came back to practice a couple days before everybody went to Toronto. He doesn't really have the flow and the chemistry back with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron as we saw today because they didn't really have everything going. Yeah, they were terrible. They were all, I think every one of those players were a minus today in their plus minus. I think right, it, right. Like, so take, it was just rough. Well, take it from Boston's but you know, granted, they they were the only team that finished in the league with one hundred points. They're a very good hockey team. They're very defensive oriented. That first period, the Flyers took them a little while to get them going. Boston really pushed the pace some points during that first period, really controlled the play. Carter Hart kept a minute, which we'll touch on shortly about his play. But the important thing is to know is that it is one game and Boston's going to rebound from this. And if the Flyers do face Boston deep in the playoffs, what you saw today will not be the same Boston team that you would see a month from now. No, but I also think that what the Flyers team that we saw today is what we should be hoping and expecting to see throughout the playoffs. Like we, they were the hottest team in the NHL in March when the play stopped. They, yes, they lost to Boston two nothing, but it wasn't like a terrible loss. They were still competitive that game from that right. night or, that I remember. And then, yeah, you, as you were saying, it was only a preseason game. It didn't matter. But if you take collectively tonight's game and that game against Pittsburgh, they really, for the most part, haven't missed a step. Like, if you told me that this was a team that was off for four months, I would have told you you're crazy because they look exa- almost nearly identical to how they are going where they were playing in March. And that's a, an attest, a testament to how good of a coach – AV is Elaine Vigneault. Like, there's a reason this guy continuously. They brought it up in the NBC broadcast today about how he has this in his special ability in New York, in Vancouver, and now Philly. When he's that first year coach, he has a huge impact on his team, and he has them ready to play night in and night out. And the fact that he has them night in and night out of play uh, after a four month layoff. That's a real a testament, and what we should we conti- should continue to expect. Like the biggest question, I would say, is uh, into tonight's game is how is a young player and now the youngest player, the go- n- youngest goalie in franchise history to win a playoff game at twenty one years and I think two fifty five days or something is what three hundred twenty one years three hundred fifty five days. So like it's it's an a testament that wh- how strong Carter Hart, and we'll get into that later in a little bit, but my gosh, like it's crazy how uh, AV was able to get this, these guys ready to play and, 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 and as if it never was a, a four months off. Agreed. Uh, now I'm not going to disagree with you and say the flyers did look like they haven't missed a beat. They looked very well conditioned. Someone had mentioned that on Twitter today when I was looking through uh, as we were live tweeting and I agree, and it's something, I, it, you know, 
and I've had, you know, I've coached before, so I understand that that's something you don't even really consciously think of, but agreed come third period times when you need to wear down your opponent and you're in better shape than they are, that's a great thing. So testament to Vigneault for keeping these guys in shape and keeping them skating and keeping them moving and testament to the players as well for being in shape. But again, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. And no, no, and I'm not taking away any credit from Aline Vigneault. I think we have to give a shout out at the same time to Ron Hextall because there are guys like Philip Myers who scored a goal today. And he also kept guys like Michael Raffle around. And I don't think Scott Lawton was one of Hextall's pick, but I, he might have been part of the organization when they did select him. Mm-hmm. So they all chipped in today in a huge way. And also, Ron Hextall was the GM that drafted Carter Hart. So give a shout-out to him as well for giving them the talent that Vigneault was be able to, um, how should I say, been getting to this level to make the Flyers look like they're legitimate contenders. Yeah, I mean, I and like, there's no no one in the, that is a Flyers fan should be saying that should have an, an animosity towards Ron Hextall because what? Yes, I think the biggest thing, and I said this on Twitter as well. I think the biggest issue uh, of what Ron Hextall's tenure here was was his level of patience. He was very, he was yeah. extremely, extremely he was too patient. patient. Yep. Yeah, but he, was, he, was, he wouldn't, he couldn't pull the trigger. The year they got right. Brian Elliott. They could have maybe done something there, but I think he wanted to wait out for, for when Carter Hart was ready. But I think that, just as a side note, what really broke the straw that broke this camel's back was when they had the goaltending problems last year and he wasn't ready to bring up Carter Hart. Right. I understand the level of patience because you do not want to rush a goaltender. And coming from him, he's a goaltender. He would know. Um, still, I think that seeing what we've seen out of Carter Hart since December of 2018, he was he, he was definitely ready before that. Yeah, and and that was that that was why Fletcher, as soon as he was hired, or not even hired, like the as soon as they fired Hextall, that was the first thing they did. So credit to him if you, if that that's. Well, let's get dive into this. Let's let's look at the offense first. Um, overall, they scored four goals. They came out firing. They always seem to they they didn't immediately establish it, but they got your favorite F word right in the. I would say halfway through the first period, maybe a little bit longer into that, and then they never really lost it. They completely established their flow early on and never let it go. Yeah, you could see that they were their passes were crisp. They were moving the puck very well. Now, granted, Boston is the best defensive team in hockey. They weren't intimidated to try to throw passes to the middle, even when guys draped around them. They were looking for sticks and lanes, trying to do something as far as deflections. I didn't see anything complaining wise. I could complain about actually. I mean, not that we really complain about the Flyers too much anyway, but overall, there was nothing that I could take away from them saying, okay, this they need to improve in X area. If anything needs to improve, it's the top six because yeah. all the goals came from the bottom six today. But we've been saying all year, come playoff time, you need your bottom six guys to step up. Yeah, so I mean, that's, I mean, that's huge. Yeah, I, I and I I get the point. Like people may be concerned with the top line with Giroux and and, and all that, but and and Couturier, But at the same time, this is one of the deepest Flyers teams we've had in. I would say the last decade, maybe since right. the 2010 uh, playoff run and the Stanley Cup final appearance, like it's it's not a bad thing that the bottom six is outscoring the 
top six in the no. first two games or the first three games if, if they happen to have that in Washington. The concerns if it's a long stretch is you have a week here where you have the round robin and it's three games to to kind of get your footing, especially for the Flyers we talked about last week. They're kind of they're playing with house money, so if they get anything above a four seed, that's a, that's just cash money for that's house money that they're they're cashing in on. Um, so it's like if over this course of the round robin where the top six is still, or the, yeah, the top six are trying to find their legs and, and get their scoring, uh, up, but they're being, and they're being, have to be carried by the bottom six. It's not the end of the world. It's only the end of the world when we're in game five of the first round and it's Pittsburgh by chance who went down to Montreal and lost today. But like, <laughs> and I've been and, calling that, haven't I? I've been calling yeah. that. They looked really good, but like if, if it's that if it's at that point with the Flyers, then you can start raising the alarm. But I don't. There's no reason I don't think after two or three games that there anyone should be freaking out uh, about the top six, especially because no, 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 they no, still no, no. look good. I wouldn't even say the word freak out. It's more or less that you don't have to rely on them as much if you get balanced scoring attack. Because if you have it where Nate Thompson scored a goal today, he's on your fourth line. Michael Raffle scored today. Philip Myers defenseman scored today. Scott Lawton scored today. These are all bottom line guys. And, you're, and Phil Myers is probably your fifth or sixth defenseman at this point. That's an important thing for the Flyers because that's not something they've had happen in playoffs past where they've had this much depth where they can allow these guys just to, you know, you can roll four lines. You know, they let the bench run itself. Essentially that when you know when you're running well and you have great flow, when the bench is pretty much running itself and all four lines are chipping in. Vignetto doesn't really have to do much behind the bench at this point. Just maybe game plan adjustments as they go along. Yeah. But it, it, that's that's the that's the advantage when you have depth and you have depth of not just players with talent like a Toronto team, but when you have players with experience, guys like Derek Grant, guys like Nate Thompson. You know, let's be honest, Michael Raffle's been through a couple of playoff series. They haven't. He has won one, but he's he's been there. Scott Lawton, if I'm not mistaken, he might have been there in 2018. I believe he was in 2018 when they played the. Um, when they played the Penguins, so yes, you have guys in that bottom that bottom pairing who who've done it, and then your defensive core as well. You have the experience, a lot of experience in guys like Matt Niskanen and Justin Braun, who've been all the way. Matt Niskanen has won a Stanley Cup, and Justin Braun's been to a final, so you have depth there as well. You look at this team as a whole and see how deep they are. That's why it's really important that. Yes, you're going to need a signature moment from your ties on the top line. Couturier is going to have to score at some point. Giroux is going to have to score. JVR is really going to be a guy who's going to be, you know, uh, looking at. And Jake, if he decides he needs to do something, he'll do it as well. Yeah, Voracek didn't. I mean, he had a point tonight. He had an assist. Uh, I believe it was on. What goal was that? I don't. I guess it was the third goal. Uh, what third goal? Oh, it was a Phil Myers goal. Yeah. It, was, it was nine seconds. That was right off the draw. He just right ran off the draw. in and ripped and it. Credit, yeah. credit, I don't know if it was just part of the rotation at the time to have Philip Myers in there. As you said, he's the bottom six. Uh, he's probably the fifth or sixth defenseman on this roster right now. Credit to whoever, uh, whether it was AV that decided or just part of the rotation, to leave Philip Myers out there and immediately get on his horse and pot that goal right after nine seconds in. Like that was that's that's a good confidence boost for a good uh, a young guy like Philip Myers and just a good testament again to AV just letting his players figure this thing out after letting up a goal against Boston. Who like if that was in Boston, I think things play out a little bit differently. So they're benefiting from the neutral ice in Toronto. But either way, that was a hell of a of a, of a rebound by the Flyers after letting up that goal to Chris Wagner. 
Right, and it didn't even really beat Carter Hart. It went off Robert Haig skating in the net. So you, yeah. you know, sometimes those things happen. You just you can't control that bounce. Uh, you know, Phil Myers, he scored another one against Boston. You know, he's he's he scored. He played in two games against Boston this year. Had a goal and an assist. He scored another goal against them. So, if for some reason, you know, when the Capitals play the Flyers, defenseman Dmitry Orlov always seems to score against the Flyers. Maybe this is the same thing we have going on there. Maybe Phil Myers is the Bruin killer, but it you know remains yeah. to be seen. But that's that's what you need. You you need guys who don't normally chip in offensively to chip in offensively. So. When your top doesn't really get into a flow as of yet, which they will eventually, hopefully they really turn up against the Lightning. That's when they're really going to need them. Hopefully when that's the case, they'll be ready to roll. Yeah, and and before we wrap up on offense and we turn to our attention on the defensive side of the puck tonight, or the blue line, uh, Michael Raffle, probably I would say the game, the game star. I mean, he had an assist, he had a, an, uh, and a goal, two points on the day, plus minus two. Um, I, I mean, this guy was... Anywhere and everywhere, it seemed, and he credited from a hell of a pass from Travis Sandheim that just threaded it beautifully for that opening goal. Uh, Michael Raffle, I think, was my probably my first star of the game, and it like it's unfortunate that he got hurt late in the game. I mean, it it, it looked like he just kind of got checked into the boards weird, and he skated off on his own. Thankfully, like it wasn't wasn't like he had to be carried off or anything like that. But if Michael Raffle's out for a while, did they? How do they approach this? What do we, what do we? Joel Farabee, Joel Farabee, yeah. next man up mentality. That's really what it is at this point. Yeah, you they're going to look at it like it's the Super Bowl run of of 2017 with the Eagles. Yeah. They're yep. next man up, and we're just going to go. We got to yeah. we got to fly. No, and, no pun and, intended. And Farabee can handle that role. I think that with Farabee, he still is a a, a he's still developing. He's a young player. It's first year in the league. But the role that Michael Raffle does is being a guy who does a little bit of everything. Faraby skates well enough, and he he he's a pest out there in a sense where he doesn't give up when he's near the puck. He always tries to take that puck away. He's always trying to pressure the puck carrier. He's constantly on it. I have no problem with him filling the role that Michael Raffle does because he does the same thing. He back checks well. He joins in on the offense. I I, I believe that filling in for him while Raffle is a, is a better, well-established player with more experience to handle this type of role, I feel that if he is out for an extended period of time, which hopefully is not. Didn't look that great the way his ankle twisted. I think probably like an ankle injury or some sort of sprain. It didn't look that major um, the way he was pain-wise. He didn't seem like he was reacting kind of like Mark Scheifele last night in in Calgary. Um, I'm sorry, in Edmonton, but with, between the Flames and the Jets, how bad that looked. So a little bit of promising there. Hopefully it's, it's a short-term thing if that's the case. But Faraby will step up and be fine. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the defense, we want to thank our sponsor, the official sponsor of the Orange and Backcheck podcast, DraftKings Sportsbook. We have the M- basketball is back, hockey is back, and now this upcoming weekend, golf's first major of the year is back, and it's this upcoming weekend. Starting on the 6th, golfers are heading to San Francisco to tee off and compete for the crown, and there is no better way to join the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate golf's first major of the year, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering special odds and promotions all weekend long, and all new users get a sign-up bonus up to one thousand dollars you get up to a thousand dollar bonus just by signing up using the promo code backcheck for every day of the golf tournament DraftKings sportsbook is boosting your profits by 30 percent all you have to do is opt in and place a bet head to the app right now and check out all that they have to offer including players props 
day-to-day actions, and even hole-by-hole live betting. And as football season is clear in our sights, DraftKings Sportsbook has rolled out a season-long football pick'em pool with $2 million in prizes up for grabs. Make your picks and watch the games unfold. That's all you have to do. And you could possibly get up to $2 million in prizes. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience, quick and easy. Now, here's what you have to do. This is simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, the top-rated app, now and use promo code BACKCHECK when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, $1,000. DraftKings Sportsbook going all-in with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter the promo code BACKCHECK when you sign up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, you must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each of them up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, Scott, I, the defense, I think the, the only way you could describe the defense is probably stellar. I mean, you gave up one goal. I, I, I think, uh, obviously, the, the, the man of the hour was probably Ivan Proveroff. He just came in, like, again, just like a guy who has not stopped after four months. And he looked, ooh, Colorado just scored. Tied at one in Colorado or in Toronto against the, the Blues. Um, no, they're in Edmonton. They're in the Western Coast. That's right. The West Conference. Uh, whatever. It's in a bubble. That's all that needs to be known. They won in a bubble. They're up. As long as they're in a bubble, they're safe. By the way, still no new tests uh, in the NHL compared to the MLB, which is on fire right now. Um, But Ivan Provorov, like this guy, continues. Like he, this is his what his third official season in the in the league. Maybe the fourth. No, no, definitely more than that. He's got five years experience. Does he really? yeah, he's got he's he's got about five years. He was drafted in 2015, and they pretty much brought him up right away. So you have to think he's got he was in the 2016 playoffs against Washington, and he was also in the 2018 playoffs against uh, the wow. Pittsburgh. So he's he's been around. He's been around a bit. Yeah, wow. His first season with 2016. Jesus. Either way, like this guy is clearly like I know Matt Niskanen came in as the veteran presence, but for a guy like Provorov, he's since day one, played like a guy who's been in the league for as long as Pronger has been and hasn't let up anything. He had a couple of bad years under the uh, Hackstall, like in that last year under Hackstall. But, man, today it's just a reason why this guy is the top defender on this team and probably the future captain post-Drew era. Like, oh, well, let's not get out of hand and think of that yet. You might be right. You see a lot of Drew Dowdy in him lately, the way yeah. he's been playing. He's just been able to command that blue line. And I'll tell you what, what I really noticed about Provorov today, did you see that flow? Uh, did you oh, see that hair? My God. Oh, my goodness. That I was streaking in the wind door of Warbox. I got to pull up. I got to pull up the text from my dad because my dad was the first. He looks like Bill Flett from the 74-75. Bill Flett. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like, that was a great comparison by my dad right there. Minus like, the alcohol, hopefully. 
Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, you just had to bring that up, didn't you? Hey, listen, it's true. <laughs> Bill Flynn had some problems like that. But, he had some problems. But you're right. It's got to be like, I guess Provorov and a couple other players were just like, I'm just letting this thing grow out and not getting a cut. Yep. During. Like it's it's become the unofficial official playoff beard yeah. Uh, yeah. thing type deal. So I, like the, the pairing of Matt Niskanen and Ivan Provorov is probably one of the strongest pairings we've seen in a while I would say for the Flyers I mean the defensive core like as uh, as Mike Milbury had said has really been rebuilt and with great acquisitions like uh, Philip Myers and Robert Haig <laughs> dear dear Mike they were draft picks. That's not an acquisition. Uh, technically, it is. To. Technically, yeah, I get your but, point. An but Mike Milbury is. was definitely referring to as if they were acquired by a trade. Like, knowing Mike Milbury, there's no way he thought – Oh yeah, these guys were drafted. He definitely was anticipating they were traded. Well, because Mike Milbury traded every good player he had. Right. He traded Roberto Luongo. Right. He traded everybody. So <laughs> yeah, it so. doesn't surprise me if Mike Milbury thought that they were acquired. Because but like, this like this stat line, I know, I know there's not much to go off of. I mean, you not you shouldn't put too much eggs in this basket, but the everyone on the defensive six this today were Plus, except for Robert Haig and Justin Braun, and they were just minus one. So this team, the blue line, probably played as strong a game as you could have hoped for. Again, I know I sound like a broken record, but everyone just continues to look as if they have not taken four months off. Scott, what did they do wrong? What did you see that they did? They they looked rough on? Nothing so much. Yeah. Per I, I didn't see anything that was glaring. Again, I I'm not taking any credit away from the Flyers. They played a very good game today, but again, Boston wasn't at their best. Look, I we said in our preview, they are very very efficient and underrated on offense. They have their big line, their their perfection line or whatever they call it with Marchand, Pasternak and Bergeron. But behind that, they've got Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle is a good uh, uh, bottom nine, a uh, top. I'm sorry, top nine center. Then you have also Sean Corrali who can score and who's coming around. They have some talent there. They also have David Krejci, who's been with the team for a long time. He's been a core piece. They they, they didn't play up to speed today. But again, the, they didn't really give Boston too many glaring chances. I, I didn't see anything where Boston was really getting the open to the middle. There'd be some spots where you know they had some open ice, but they were flubbing some shots or didn't really get quality chances off because they were trying to rush the shot because the Flyers were in great position. I didn't see anything glaring that that they did wrong at all. So uh, taking points away from this game, nothing stuck out of me. And there's an old rule of thumb when it comes to hockey. If you don't notice a defenseman, they're doing their job. I didn't notice the Flyers' defense today. No, I really there didn't was, notice anything. There was nothing glaring because they all did their job very well. Yeah, normally you get like that. It's ironically, not ironically, but just usually by, for lack of a better example, the guy that you usually see either pinching too too close in or just just having a rough day was a healthy scratch today, and that was in Shane Gossespierre. And I don't know if we're gonna see like if the we'll probably we're gonna see him at some point. Like that's that I think that's a given. Like I think AV is gonna give him a chance in one of these round robin games. But at the same time, if this was a regular playoff series. I don't think you see Shane Gosses here because of how well the defense have played this today. And you just don't want to mess up with that. The famous F word. You don't want to mess the flow up of your top six in, in no. your or the blue line. No. So I think we'll see Shane here at some point in the round robin. You're probably to. probably, probably on Thursday Washington. night. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking Thursday night against Boston or excuse me, Washington. But 
Shane's in trouble here. Like we, this is an off season discussion, but as well as Shane has looked, and he had that knee surgery to get fix up some micro, like some. I guess it was just to clean out cartilage or whatever it may have been. Like this kid is in trouble, and I feel bad because for how strong he was in his rookie year and, and a couple of years after that. Shane's in trouble here, and I don't know if he fully deserves it. I think he's just a, a lack of an odd man out situation. No, I, I, Shane's got some flaws in his game. He's worked very, very hard at it. But when you're ter- when you when you play to your strengths, you play to your strengths. Shane's not really a defensive guy. I mean, no, he's offensive. You, you, yeah, right. And like he can play, but he. He can play defense, and he does a decent job at it, but he's like a power play guy. He's a power play specialist. He's not one of these guys that you could put on your top pairing and expect him to play like a shutdown role or a two-way game. That's why Matt Niskanen is so effective with Ivan Provorov because he plays a two-way game. He knows when to jump on offense, but he knows what he needs to control on the back end. There was a great play I watched today with – uh, Matt Niskanen. They came along. It was in the third period. They came along. Across, a pass that came across the blue line along the near side boards. He went. Niskanen stayed with him, followed him all behind the net, all the way to the opposite half wall, and then rubbed them out and cleared the puck. I'm like, yeah. that's exactly what you need at a defenseman. Shane wouldn't have been able to do that. He wouldn't have been right. able to muscle him off. It's not because of his frame. It's not his style of play. With Shane. You need him when you need to worry about more offense, when you're going against a team where it's going to be more wide open again, with, and you need that speed to jumpstart the rush out of the back end. That's when his strength is going to be able to come in. A team like Washington, who can, who is kind of weak defensively, but they can put a lot of points up. And then you have a team like Tampa, who it's really a toss-up whether you want to play them in that game or not, because – Listen, as we mentioned before, Boston has a very underrated offense. They're efficient. They're actually pretty good besides that perfection line. What the thing is about Shane is that Shane wouldn't be defensively responsible enough against a team like Boston to hold off their attack. A team that you can play more open with, like Washington, that would suit his strength. Tampa, it depends, because if you get caught, they're going to make you pay. With Shane... It, you can he can push the play, but if he gets caught, that's when he can get himself in trouble. So you're right. AV's got he, it's not an odd man out of situation. It's just the style that he plays isn't really a fit for this team. And considering we're going to come up on the the cap issues and the hockey related revenue um, issues for next season, it, with this season might be the last we really see Shane in a uniform. And so this might be his one chance. If this doesn't work, this playoff, I don't see him coming back next year. Yeah, I, I sadly, I have to agree. Like, there's no, there. It's just uh, AV doesn't see the value in him, and and it's just based on his style of play, and that's well, what I, he has I to want, live I with. Want, I want to no, I don't want to say that because he did compliment him last week. It's that's not true. He did. Shane. Shane and the coaches like see he's what Shane's doing well. Off. Like I think Shane yeah. knows the situation he's in, and he's yeah. working his ass off. He's just to not get a fit on this team, and right? It's just one of yeah. It's just, sadly, it's just like listen. You're this is where we're at, and this is where you're at, and you're we're not lining up here. And yeah. unless exactly. something turns a corner here, it's a, like unless there's a miracle where Shane is just body checking the living hell out of Alex Ovechkin on, on Thursday night. It's Nobody ended. checks the big Russian machine. Nobody right, does that. Nobody does so. that. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Or unless he has one of those immaculate streaks that he had in his rookie year, the po- the point streak, like he doesn't bring anything. And when he's called on offense and he's already an average defender, it, it's just not. It doesn't bold well. No. Um. So so let's re- let's look ahead here. They still haven't announced the time for the Washington t- the Washington Philly game on Thursday, August sixth. My guess is four o'clock because every game has been four o'clock for the next. A uh, couple days here. You have Washington and Tampa tomorrow. Uh, what should Flyers fans be looking for when they're watching this game? I, I think the obvious answer is just see what Ovechkin looks like after the long break and how Holtby looks after a long break. Who else are we looking at here, Scott? Uh, you want to look at Evgeny Kuznetsov and Jacob Brana. Both of them combined for over 100 points this year. Keep an eye on them. That's very, very important because they too – don't have just scoring from Ovechkin and Backstrom. They have a decent top nine. They also have Tom Wilson, who can throw the body around quite a bit, and he can also score. He's a very, very not intimidating player per se, but he's a tough player to play against. So uh, keep an eye on that. Washington leading into this game, they lost 10 out of 15 heading into the shutdown. They, They were not playing well. I don't know exactly if it was just a bad stretch for them or if they could just really see that you know, the the wear and tear was getting to them. They looked pretty good against Carolina the other day in their exhibition game. So, and then they play Tampa first, I believe, tomorrow. Yes, so, tomorrow um, Yeah, so that'll be a real good test to kind of see um, where they're at competing with the speed of Tampa. Now, you can uh, – a team like Carolina is more balanced. They can handle um, – you know they can they can shut it down and they can turn it on. Certain guys can, can really be good for them, like Sebastian Ajo. When they're on, they're on. When they're not, they're kind of okay. They're mediocre. So I, I I'm a little curious to kind of see what side of Washington we're going to get. Are we going to get the team that won in 2017-18? Are we going to get the team the Flyers dominated in three out of four contests this year? So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Tampa, on the other hand, um, the more I watch Tampa the more I can become convinced that they are going to be the team to beat in the East. It's going to come Mm -hmm. down to them. I I just, I can't see a glaring weakness out of them besides Andre Vasilevsky giving up long goals. He gives up goals from pretty long out shots, like blue line shots, top of the circle. He can get beat on those in tight. You're not going to score on them. Um, You have to kind of play back a little bit, but then you're, you're kind of playing into Tampa's thing. So it, it depends. We'll have to kind of see exactly. I mean, let's go back two years ago in the playoffs. Washington did beat them, I believe, in five or six games. So um might have even been seven. Um, actually, it was seven games. They beat them in seven games to go to the final. So um, they are battle-tested. Tampa's itching. They're trying to get back to the final for the first time since 2015, win their second cup since 2004. It's going to be important to watch that game to kind of see how they match up speed wise because you'll yeah. get you're, you're the, the I would actually be honest with you instead of paying attention so much to Washington even though the Flyers play Washington on Thursday pay attention to Tampa because how they play against Washington will be a real key because they blew out uh, I, I think they played Florida they blew out Florida in their exhibition I believe it was four or five nothing so um, it's going to be interesting to watch for sure it, it, I would keep an eye on how well that they handle the transition of the speed and handle how Tampa can use their speed against Washington's defense, who's, who's kind of average at best. Speaking of speed, I, I you alluded to it uh, during the live game tweeting today. The Flyers seem to have found another gear. before. Like It seems they have gotten faster, and I didn't think that was going to happen. Like The way this team – this team has always had speed, but they are suddenly – 
not saying they're not on the level of Tampa yet. They're still about two or three rungs lower, but they're about right there with them. And they, they're getting better with with play with Tampa speed. And what I mean yeah. by that is not just the it's not skating speed. One of the big complaints I had during the Hextall era or the the Hextall and Hackstall era was the puck speed. They weren't moving the puck quickly enough through the neutral zone, and guys weren't getting a position where they could distribute the puck to pull play guys left and right. The Flyers, the reason they're they're playing more of an east-west game. They're where they're playing more or less. They're taking it up ice and they're trying to find stretch passes and trying to pull defenses and trying to move them. So they look really, really fast because they're moving the puck a lot more. They're not holding it back. They're looking for the stretch pass. They're trying to the stretch pass is huge for them. With the last time we've really seen the Flyers really hone in on the stretch pass was back in like the Laviolette era because that's a big part of his system was to really push the play up ice that way and cause um, cause uh, uh, you know get all get get points off the rush. You're seeing the same thing here, and they have the wheels to do it. They have the skating to do it, and with the way they move the puck and the guys are in the right places at the right time, they're able to cut to the net a lot faster and keep the defense on their heels. So that's why you're seeing it different because they're playing the way they need to play. They're not playing just a possession game. They're playing an attack game by also at the same time moving the puck with a lot of speed to pull guys out of position. So it is. It's a separate gear. And with that, you'll really be able to compete with a lot of top teams, which is why they look so good. It's because they're finally doing what they've been trying to do for the past couple of years, and that's move the damn puck faster. I was listening to all of that, but uh, before we wrap up, 17 minutes ago, we have breaking news, and we're not a hockey podcast. Or, excuse me, we're not a football podcast. Uh, but Doug Peterson has tested positive for coronavirus. Oh, no. So oh, that that boy. broke for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, yeah, uh, mm. we went back. We, I, I don't want to get back into this conversation. I, no. I, I promise you, but um, – Bubbles are what the NFL needs to be looking into. Whether right. that's three or four cities, like you, there has to you have to either look into all in division games this year or in conference games in some uh, in some way. Like these long travel games are not going to work this year. No, they're not no, no, work. they're not. There, I think the the NHL is doing everything right. They've had another zero, um, big zero, yeah, right, positive coronavirus cases. The bubble is a great thing. You have to give the league credit. You have to give the players credit. This is going beyond fantastic. And this and the NBA are going to be the only sports because I don't think at this point we're going to see baseball much longer. Actually, and at this point, it, it, it's very possible the NFL might be not coming back as well. Um, before And th- that actually leads – there's a great piece by our partners over at The Spark with Vince Quinn. Uh, he made a great case, and it, he has a valid point. Yeah, the NFL and the NHL are benefiting greatly from the bubble right now. Um, but leading into next seasons where they plan, the NHL wants to start on December 1st. He makes a great case. Like there's, it's not as easy as it's, it's what's benefiting the NHL and the NBA right now is the shorten of how far the length that they had already gone into their respected seasons, mm-hmm. uh, compared to the NFL and the MLB, which haven't even started yet at a time when everything went to hell. So it's going to be interesting how the NBA and the NHL establish themselves 
for a full season. It's not as easy as what we anticipate. And that's why the two cities of a bubble are working right now. And it's going to be interesting how they establish. So check out Vince article uh, at the spark. Uh, it's right there on the top page on his discussion on what the NHL and the NBA could be doing uh, come the winter months. But my gosh, like <laughs> this virus is everywhere and it's not going away unless we wear our masks. So continue to wear your masks, please. Um, and that's all I got. Like I think that we'll talk again on uh, Wednesday night. We'll do a preview for the Flyers. We'll have hopefully have an update on either uh, what's going on with Michael Roffel, or we'll see uh, Joel Farabee coming up here to make an impact, and maybe we'll see Shane. Uh, what's more likely here? It's it's obviously got to be Joel Farabee in the lineup, right? Yeah, I think Joel Farabee. You, like I said, you might you might see. Uh, one of these guys, I don't think Phil Myers, maybe Robert Haig step out of the lineup a little bit for Shane just to see how it works. The Flyers are taking the approach of, hey, let's see what mixes and works here. I I do have a little bit of concern if they do get the top seed because, look, Montreal may have gotten two out of the three goals on mistakes last night. Yeah. Um, but Carey Price shut down the Penguins and their offense, and they have Jake Ensel back. They have Sidney Crosby. They have Evgeny Malkin. They didn't do anything last night. Crosby scored a bank shot goal, but Carey Price shut them down. So I would be a little hesitant of the Flyers getting into that top seed and having to play a team like Montreal's coming in hot. It makes me a little bit nervous, but hey, you know what? That's why they do this. If they get the top seed, it's going to be all the better, and they'll probably have the best shot there because you hope for an easy first round because that helps you go deeper. So we shall see. Yeah, and look, if Carter Hart continues to play the way he's playing, I, I like for a kid that's 21, we just talked about it, how he was the youngest goalie in Flyers history to win a playoff game. Although, is this really a playoff game? Like, yes. this doesn't. Yes, these are considered playoff games by the NHL. They are considered that's so playoff weird games. to me. Like, I, I don't count this. Right. Like, this is a round robin. A round it's robin still is part not of the playoff. playoffs. It's, it's still part it's- of the playoffs. It's, it's just determining seeding. Like, if the Flyers were to go zero and three, obviously they're not going to. If if Boston were to go, better example, if Boston were to go zero and three somehow in this pl- in this round robin, they're not eliminated from the series. They're just the four seed, probably. Like, that's all yeah. that needs. That's not yeah. a playoff game to me. That's just yeah. seeding. But still- I, I digress. Like it's still great that he won a playoff game, whatever you want, if you want to call it that. Um, that he won a playoff game at this ripe young age, and not the fact that he just won the game. He looked poised. He looked like a kid that had been playing in the playoffs for the last ten years, and nothing was phasing him. He approached yeah. everything not quickly. He approached them calm and collectively. Like if if Carter Hart continues to play like this, there's going to be a serious discussion on where the Flyers are come September. Well, your goaltender needs to be – you could say the same thing about Montreal beating Pittsburgh last night, that they they beat Pittsburgh because of their goaltender. And and Edmonton, they lost because they got bad goaltending. Connor McDavid, they put up four goals last night. They said they scored four goals. Connor McDavid opened the scoring for Edmonton. They got bad goaltending from Mike Smith and and Miko Koskinen. Yep. It, It comes down to this. You you have great goaltending. You can go far. Look, take, let's take away the kid's age out of this. The kid's just a great goaltender. There's, you don't you don't yeah, draft the goaltender right. in the second round if you don't have a lot of faith in him to begin with. So he's he's ready. He's he has he, he has no problem facing the moment. That sports psychology helps him a lot. 
and also his technique is just really good. He he didn't have to make any flashy saves, and that as a goaltender myself, that just tells me you're in great position the whole entire time. Granted, they got helped by the great play of the Flyers' defense today, but during late in third period when Boston pulled their goalie, um, they had basically three minutes of attack time. Carter Hart was in position for all, and, and with the great one was the, the deflection he stopped right in front from uh, Patrice Bergeron. You know, Brian Boucher broke it down during the game. It was, you try to go wide, it's going glove side, you need to react to it, and then as the deflection hits, it hit him in the pants in the area you really don't want to get hit, but he stopped it. <laughs> and it, it it that's the thing is that you're he's reading the puck and tracking the puck so well, that's all you need him to do. You don't need Carter Hart to be great. You need Carter Hart to be Carter Hart. Yep. And this team can go far. And for the first time, and God, since the friggin' dinosaurs existed, we don't have to worry about goaltending in this damn city. Yep. So let's let, let's give the kid a – don't focus on his age. The kid's just a real talented goaltender, and he's going to play the same way night in and night out. And you can take those road woes, and you can shove it down your pie hole that you were worried about last <laughs> week because it was a road game for the Flash today because they got last change. So when you have last change, generally sure. you have the better match. You get to put the guys in this and have your matchups better. So the fact that Flyers essentially want a road game today against the top team in the East, uh, listen, it's great. I'm I'm pumped. I'm really excited about it, but just pump the brake. Let's yeah. see how they get through this round, Robin, and see who they got to play before we really start crowning them, you know, that they really have a shot at it because it's going to come down to how these other teams are playing in the playoffs. Yep. And as I'm watching Toronto and Columbus right now, they're tied at nothing going into the second period. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself on the future of Carter Hart. That is going to do it for this edition of Orange and Backcheck. Once again, our presenting sponsor, the DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code BACKCHECK to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code BACKCHECK. For Scott Weinhardt, always follow us on Facebook and Twitter. All that good stuff. Orange and, Orange and back check. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have, if you missed it, uh, Scott posted an incredible preview for the round robin games. Uh, if you're looking for something to preview uh, going into the Washington and Tampa game, please check out those videos. They're on our YouTube page. We also posted them on our Facebook and, and Twitter pages. Give us an email if you have any questions or any fan questions that you want to ask us leading into uh, Thursday night. Orange and back check at gmail.com. Again, first Scott Weinhardt. I'm Bill Kornfeld. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday night. Got a hat! Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. See, you're, you're trying to bait me for the end of the episode clip. This is how you do this. <laughs>